Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online, internet, around the world church service. And I'm so happy that you're here today because I believe that God's Word is able to build you up to do all that He has called you to do and to be the person that He has called you to be. Praise God. Now today, before we go into our main message, I would like for us to receive the tithes and offerings. We need to honor the Lord with our finances. Praise God. And we're going to do that today. But let's look at a scripture. And we will be seeing this scripture, I believe, manifested in 2022. And let's take another look at Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. So this is part A of the verse. Then we have part B. But you have to remember, they are both connected together. There is a, there is a legacy that God wants to be working here. God wants things established so that they are perpetuated in the earth. It's very difficult for wealth on the evil side ever to outlive three generations. But God wants there to be godly wealth, and God wants there to be the transference of wealth into the hands of the righteous so that it can be utilized properly, not just within one generation, but it can be layered so that it is put to good use, good stewardship, to the point where the Great Commission is accomplished and the Lord returns for his people. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Praise God. Well, let me say one more thing before we touch on that uh, concerning uh, an inheritance for the children's children, in other words, for your grandchildren. I would. I would be very careful with leaving any type of inheritance that uh, involves money for someone, even family, that is not serving the Lord Jesus Christ. The last thing you want to do with money is release it into the hands of someone who uh, is going to uh, now have that money, and that is only going to perpetuate their stronghold in sin or their uh, now empowerment to operate uh, more fully in the kingdom of darkness. So we have to be very, very careful with how we use money from God's vantage point. Now, let's look at part B of verse 22. The wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Uh, we need to be careful that we don't limit wealth strictly to the sake of money because it can be uh, varied in the way that God is going to do this wealth transfer of bringing the provision into uh, the lives of his people that are faithful to him in these areas of finances. Praise God. So yes, it can literally be the transferring of money. But there's so many different forms of money today. Now we have cryptocurrency. And uh, while it's not yet uh, widely used in, in, you know, main circles, mainly because uh, crypto still has such high fluctuations. <laughs> you know, you, uh, you could wake up one morning and it's dropped 10 or 15% or something like that. 
But even still, you know, God can cause these types of assets to be transferred, whether it's Bitcoin or things like that. And uh, uh, God's can, God can do amazing things uh, behind the scenes to cause blessing to come to you, wealth transfer to come to you. Hallelujah. And there's, there's many cryptocurrencies besides uh, Bitcoin. I have my own take on that. I think in some ways, uh, cryptocurrency is, uh, uh, particularly with Bitcoin, it is a genius idea. And, uh, you know, the ones that push it say, well, it's a limited amount of this commodity. Well, yeah, it's a limited amount, but uh, there's only so many of them, and it's a genius idea, but I'm not really sold on uh, something that's an intangible asset out there in the uh, cyber world, so to speak. I, I like tangible assets that God put value on. And so we could refer also to the transfer of what we would call precious metals. And the reason they're precious is because God put value uh, on them in the Bible. And I've heard, uh, you know, economists say, were, uh, say, well, gold is really, uh, well, we don't really need gold or silver. And who even says those things are valuable anyhow? And they'll try to get you over on their theology, or not, not theology, but their belief system. And, uh, well, I like biblical economics, praise God. And God assigned value to gold and silver. And yes, there's limited amounts of those as well, but those are real uh, tangible things that will always have value. Even the streets in heaven are of solid gold, praise God. So there can also be the transfer of precious metals and gold and silver, uh, palladium and platinum, and on and on it goes. There could be the transfer of stocks. It's very easy to transfer stocks over to somebody uh, for one person to another. All you need is a stock account. And uh, the action of this ministry before has had to open uh, ministry uh, stock accounts simply for the fact that people have wanted to donate stock to the ministry. And then when the ministry receives those stocks, we uh, take a day or two, not months, we take a day or two to catch it at the best moment. And then those stocks are sold. And then that money is put into the ministry treasury so that we can use it to continue to preach the gospel around the world. Hallelujah. But God can cause stocks to be transferred to you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And so there's many different forms of wealth transfer. This can be land. Land is uh, always valuable, as they say. Uh, God only made so much of it. And, uh, you know, it's it's always good to have land. It's not quite as liquid as some of these other things that we've talked about. When I, when I say liquid, of course, I'm referring to the ability to unload it or sell it. But even still, land throughout history has always proven to be uh, something really that uh, is just long-term wealth. And also, uh, there's houses and, uh, you know, God can do amazing things of uh, houses being given and things like that. But we're talking about the wealth transfer again. But the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous and it's stored, stored, stored. It's been stored for uh, 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 thousands of years. Perhaps we, we could we could say hundreds of years for sure. But I believe that the that the reaping that we're going to see and the transfer that we're going to see, we're going to even see harvest reaped in areas that were sown. 
a hundred years ago or several hundred years ago, and those precious saints never saw the harvest. And uh, uh, we see things like that mentioned in the book of James. I won't get into it when it talks about the end time harvest and the cries that are coming up of those that were financially done wrong. And there is going to be a... Um, well, that inversion of the financial system that Charles Capps prophesied, and also the Lord told me that the year 2022 is the year where we begin to see the wealth transfer. And I believe that you can see it in your life if you release your faith and you trust the Lord and say, Lord, I'm ready for this. And I have to admit, it's not like we've seen a lot of this anywhere in the body of Christ, but there's always the breakout, the breakthrough moment. And I believe we're going to see it, uh, see it begin to roll in a beautiful measure in 2022. And just like Noah, uh, Noah was telling people, hey, it's, it's going to rain. You need to repent, get your life right with God. And people said, rain, what is that? It's never rained before. Well, it, it, how many of you know it rained? Hallelujah. <laughs> and more did it ever. <laughs> so, uh, we're going to see the fulfillment of these uh, many prophecies by the godly saints that have foretold of the uh, wealth transfer. And we're also going to see the fulfillment of the scriptures that declare it. Hallelujah. And we're going to begin to see it in 2022. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to Jesus. And uh, there, there can be transfer of vehicles, all types of things. Hallelujah. Let's go to uh, the book of Job very quickly. Job chapter uh, 27, verse 13. This is the portion of a wicked man with God and the inheritance of oppressors received from the Almighty. Okay, let's see what the oppressor and what the wicked man has to look forward to. Verse 16, though he heaps up silver like dust and piles up clothing like clay. He may pile it up, but the just will wear it, and the innocent will divide the silver. Woo! Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Silver is a good thing. Still the number one conductor of electricity in the earth today. And I know some people got all excited a few years back saying, oh, graphene. Graphene's the latest thing. Graphene will replace silver. No, no, it will never replace silver. And all cars need silver. Every electrical panel or, uh, excuse me, solar panel needs silver. <laughs> so, uh, hey, silver is still a good thing and will always be a good thing because God placed value upon it. Hallelujah. Amen. So here we see wealth transfer. He may pile it up clothing, but the just will wear it and the innocent will divide the silver. So the wicked man's silver ends up in the hands of the innocent. Praise God. Say, Lord, I stand on the front line in faith, ready to receive the wealth transfer of the wicked to the righteous for the sake of the preaching of the gospel. Praise the Lord. And I love, I love Genesis chapter 31 verse nine. Wow. Uh, uh, what you're about to read is a statement that Jacob is making to Rachel and Leah concerning uh, Jacob's treatment by Laban. And li listen to verse nine. So God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. Woo! Cheating, 
lying, swindling Laban. Look what J uh, Jacob said. God has taken away the livestock of your father, Laban, and given them to me. What's that? Wealth transfer. And the last thing Laban ever, ever wanted to see happen. It happened and God did it. Pastor Stephen, look what the devil did. Oh, no, 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 no. The devil didn't do that. And Jacob knew it. God did it. And guess who else knew it? Laban knew it. Couldn't do anything about it. Could not do anything about it. Woo! Praise God. But as you operate in the wisdom of God, and very importantly, as you operate in obedience to the Lord's instructions, which is what he gave to Jacob, that caused the wealth transfer to happen in his life. So will it also happen in your life? Get ready to step into it. Amen. God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. God took it from a wicked man and gave it to a righteous man. It's the, we have these things all through the Bible. It may not say wealth transfer, but that's exactly what that is. And so many other cases that are in the word of God and drop down to verse 16. This is what uh, Rachel and Leah had to say about it. For all these riches, riches, which God has taken from our father are really ours and our children's. Now then, whatever God has said to you, do it. <laughs> They're like, Jacob, you're exactly right. So whatever God said to you, just go ahead and do it because we're all aboard. And you know, that's, that's like a miracle. Get those two ladies to agree on something <laughs> together because <laughs> they're in contention. You know, the same husband, <laughs> you could only imagine the tension that that caused and the, uh, the friction that was in that. But yet they're on this. They are both in agreement. And they said for all these riches, which God has taken from our father, God took them by force and moved them over into the hands of Jacob. Oh, Pastor Stephen, the, the, the devil did that. No, 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 no. God did it. God did it. God, God is very well acquainted with taking wealth from wicked people and sending it over where it's supposed to be in the hands of the righteous. Mm -hmm. That's in your Bible, my friends. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. So I want to read a little section one more time. Uh, this is only about five sentences from the, the amazing a prophecy that Charles Capps had back in 1978. Here's just a little segment of it. I want to read it again. Yes, there's coming a financial inversion in the world's system. Now remember an inversion means to turn upside down and to reverse. So he said, there's coming a financial inversion in the world's system. It's been held in reservoirs of wicked men for days on end. But the end is nigh. Those reservoirs shall be tapped and shall be drained into the gospel of Jesus Christ. It shall be done, saith the Lord. It shall be done in the time allotted. And so shall it be that the word of the Lord shall come to pass, that the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. And the Lord spoke to me that the time allotted begins in 2020. Woo! Glory to God. Hallelujah. My friends, the year is almost up. I would, I would ask you to prayerfully consider sowing into this prophetic revelation, understanding the magnitude of what this can do and the shaking that this is going to begin to create 
Hallelujah. And I see you prophetically being on the receiving end. Position yourself for that with faith and in obedience to do anything that God would instruct you to do. Praise God. Now, let us continue to operate biblical principles to, to a very strict, precise uh, level of obedience. Let's honor the Lord with the tithe. The tithe belongs to the Lord. We will not touch it. It's holy. It goes to the Lord. We're going to bring it into the storehouse. And those of you that would like to sow seed, particularly as we are at the very end of the year, if you would like to sow something special, it will help us to continue to expand the television ministry. We have signed another contract with a, with a fantastic network. Very, very happy about uh, going on this network. And uh, I, I think they've, they're already reaching 130 nations. We are on there. And there's one more network that's really knocking on the ministry door uh, greatly, greatly. If we go on this network, it will cover the entire area of sub-Sahara Africa. Over 200 million souls will be able to hear the gospel. And uh, this network is really, uh, they, they really wanted us to come on. <laughs> so <laughs> praise God. Amen. We would like to do that. We have season three, brand new programs that we are uploading to all of the networks. And they've got them. And they're, uh, I think uh, one network, I think God TV is already airing them. And uh, I think maybe the Family Channel, uh, uh, the Lester Summerall Network is uh, airing them. Uh, but I, I'm excited, praise the Lord. My friends, this, uh, this year 2022 is going to be a ride. You better get ready. You better, you better fasten your seatbelt and get ready. And um, I, I want to talk about some of that preparation here in just a moment. But uh, this is, I'm telling you, this is going to be a breakout, breakthrough year. End this year properly. End it with your heart. Uh, direct it towards the Lord. Obedience and finances. And if you would like to do something, you feel led to do something to help us to close this year out. So we can be uh, positioned to just move with a tremendous flexibility and agility in the new year. It would be greatly appreciated. And I believe the Lord would honor that greatly. Now let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you bless your people's giving, that you multiply the seeds that they're sowing, their offerings that you would multiply. They would have beautiful, beautiful harvest, beautiful crops. Woo! Glory, 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 glory. Father, let financial glory invade their life. And Father, I, I thank you that they're tithers. And these are covenant people, Father. These are remnant people that, that, that they, they know in their spirit. They hear this prophetic sound. The word reverberates with their spirit. And the Holy Spirit is bearing witness. This is their hour. This is the remnants hour. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father. This is the group that's not playing games. It's not living fuddy-duddy lives. It's not uh, uh, trying to see how much sin they can entangle themselves with and somehow still get to heaven. Lord, <laughs> this is the Gideon's army. <laughs> Woo, glory. And Lord, it's time for the end-time Josephs to be released, to be released into the financial system, a terror to wicked people because they know, they know, they know, uh-oh, we have never seen people like this on the earth before. And I thank you, Father, they're operating like Jacob in supernatural wisdom that even Laban can outsmart people like this. Even the, the world's most crafty and deceitful money grabbers cannot outsmart the man, the woman that is operating with the highest level of wisdom, heaven wisdom, your wisdom. We thank you, Father God. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Shout all the way from where you're at. Shout, Amen. Woo, glory to God. Mm -hmm. 
Thank you, Jesus. Now, today, I would like for us to go into the message found primarily in 2 Chronicles chapter 8. Uh, there's a verse. I really like this verse. It really means a lot to me. We're going to talk about it today. Um, today, I want to talk about the subject, get your ducks in order. Mm -hmm. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we go into today's message, we pray that the message would go into us and produce the 100-fold return, because your word, Father, is a seed, and we, we're praying that the seed of your word produce this bountiful harvest of righteousness and joy and peace in our lives and uh, health and prosperity and uh, soul-winning, anointing, and oh, everything, Father, everything. We thank you, Father, for the seed producing. Thank you, Father, that this is our spiritual food. We praise you. We receive it as such in Jesus' name, and we say amen. Please join me today in verse 16. Verse 16. Now all the work, not some of the work, all of the work of Solomon, who was Solomon. He was, he was a man that had such incredible wisdom that people came from all over the world, from distant and remote places just to sit and listen and hear this guy talk. <laughs> and he had vast knowledge. This was the days before Britannica Encyclopedia. So it's not like he's going back in his palace and reading World Book Encyclopedia. Oh, let me see what else I can go out there and impress them with. No, he doesn't have something like that. He has the wisdom of God flowing into him in a level that is literally stunning. And so he can talk about animals. He can talk about plants. He can talk about the hyssop growing out of the wall. He can talk about protocol and structure and order and, and building and architecture, anything. He's, he is tied into the limitless wisdom of God, and it's flowing through him. So all the work of Solomon was well-ordered, well-ordered, not just ordered, well-ordered. It was ordered so well that you stand back and say, whoo, this is a well-oiled machine. Wow, boy, these guys have got it going on. There was, there was executive level planning and administration being carried out under the order of Solomon. And I'll tell you what, it stood out. If you have leadership that are tied into the wisdom of God and they are executing that with precision and well order, I tell you what, everything goes really, really well. There is a... Um, there's a restaurant in town. We have many restaurants, so, you know, I, I won't say too much about which one it is. But um, every time I've tried it, I've been, I've been very disappointed. Now, if I go out of the county, and maybe I'm traveling, I'm in, I'm in another state, and I see this restaurant, and I go there, it's usually everything that you would expect to be. It tastes really, really good, and it's always an enjoyable experience. But every time, without fail, just about, I'd say 90% of the times that I've ever gone through the drive-thru uh, and gotten my food, there has always been something wrong with it. And the only reason I would even go back is because I had maybe one or two times where it was really, really good. But the, uh, the other maybe uh, 18 times uh, had been a total flop. Uh, fries, half-cooked. I mean, uh, you shake them, they're just like a noodle almost or something like that. Or, or the chicken, literally not cooked all the way through, and you take the chicken back in and you show it, and the, the chicken's literally raw on the inside. Uh, or the chicken's been sitting under a heat lamp too long, and now it tastes like rubber. And uh, now, see, I can go to another chicken restaurant, uh, Chick-fil-A, 
uh, in town and it's perfect every single time, but it's like bulletproof. But if I go to this other place, Oh, wow. It's just like what's going on. I'll tell you exactly, exactly, exactly what's going on at the place. It's not getting it right. It's not the employees. It's the management It's horrible management that does not know how to execute. And because of that, there's no order. And I could just pull up to the drive through and look in there. I can tell there, there's no order going on in there. Why is there no order? Because the person who's supposed to be managing is not managing. They're not, they're not training properly. They do. They're not teaching customer service. They're, they're, they're missing it on all kinds of cylinders. And, you know, I don't think it's a threat to the franchise, but I think it's a threat to that particular uh, business uh, to, uh, to stay in business, particularly when you've got others that are knocking the ball out of the park. Praise the Lord. Like I said, the Chick-fil-A, uh, perfect every single time. But this one, whoo, whoo, they need Solomon to drop by and get their house in order. Mm-mm. Now, let me say this. Just as the work of Solomon and the foundation of the house and the construction of the beautiful edifice was carried out, well ordered. So, my friends, in order for you to get done Everything that God wants you to get done in 2022, you are going to have to have a high level of order in order to execute properly. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. This is very, very important because clutter and uh, uh, disorder, uh, it creates a drag. It, It slows everything down. And I have to be honest with you. Things are not going to slow down at all in the earth, anywhere on this planet, because things are going faster and faster and faster as we're heading towards the end of perhaps we could call it this dispensation. Uh, We are heading towards the end and everything is speeding up and everybody realizes that not just young people. I know, uh, I know when you're young, you think everything goes real slow and high school feels like it's forever. But then you get older, you look back like, wow, high school is like, like a blur. And then, uh, uh, then life just starts rolling so fast as you get older. But even now young people are like, Whoa, man, everything's moving quick. Yeah. If you think it's moving quick, uh, or take it from the vantage point of somebody in their forties or fifties or seventies or eighties. It's like, like we're at light speed. So my friends, you're going to have to have things in order or it's going to get real goofy. And, uh, the out of order stuff would be amplified because the pace is picking up. So you're going to have to really, really Uh, Be careful with that. Praise God. So you're going to need Solomon style order to to complete your divine assignments for this year. Praise God. Well, if you just for a brief moment, you know, you think about what is your life? What is a lifetime? Pastor Stephen, it's a long span. Well, yeah, in some ways, but really your lifetime is made up of years. And those years, each year is made up of 12 months. And as we break it down, 12 months, you know, 365 days and seven days in a week. And, uh, and then one day in the week uh, that you just live it one day at a time. So really, if you can, if you can achieve order for one day and then do 
another day, then things are going to start moving in the right direction. Mm -mm. Like the restaurant, you'll start getting the food out while it's hot. Not when it's turned in the rubber, <laughs> you'll get it out. Order, order, order. And you start getting your life in order one day at a time that turns into a month that turns into a year. Then it turns into a decade. Next thing you know, you've had a well-ordered life and you accomplished what you were supposed to do. Now, all the work of Solomon was well-ordered from the day of the foundation of the house of the Lord until it was finished. So the house of the Lord was completed and in the same way, so will your destiny be completed at the end of your life when it's all said and done because you were ordered. And let's talk just a little bit about what it is to have a well-ordered life. Praise God. First of all, what is order? Order is simply the proper arrangement of things. This goes here. This goes there. This does not go over there, and this cannot be put over here. Everything in its place. Woo! And that order, uh, it, it's creating something. That's why you want order. What is it creating, Pastor Stephen? An atmosphere of peace. <laughs> and without order, oh, man, uh, th that peace can begin to evaporate really, really quick. So we want to have that order in our lives. Here's somebody that uh, exemplified it at a very high level, and that would be Joseph. And let's go to Genesis chapter 39. Let's drop on down the verse 21. I see you rising up with a high level of order, uh, very, very uh, beautiful, graceful level of order in your life. Verse 21, Joseph, of course, is now in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison and the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand, all the prisoners who were in the prison. Well, how many were in the prison? I don't know. 200, 800. I don't know. 4,000. I don't know. But it was a, I'm sure it was a pretty big prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority. Because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. Now, order begins with your life. If your life is out of order then you're not going to have this ability to go into other people's lives or to go over here and over there. Uh, even if you're in these other places and that's where God wants you to be, you're not going to be able to have the order uh, impact that you want to make if your own life is not in order. Praise the Lord. So we start with ourselves. And if your life is in order and you know what order is, then you can go anywhere. Watch this anywhere, any place any country and wherever God drops you off at, what are you going to start to do? You're going to start to remove the chaos. You're going to start to remove the, you know, anything goes and you're going to start to put number one things in order. And that's what Joseph began to do. And guess, guess who he's doing it with prisoners. 
Now remember, what are primarily uh, prisoners there for? Because they broke laws. Now, sure, you're, you're going to have a few, maybe we could call it false imprisonment, and uh, they got uh, put in and got framed or whatever the case, lied, or, but nevertheless, they're there. But most of the people are there because they broke laws. In other words, they broke, uh, you know, the law is supposed to uh, hold uh, us accountable so that we have a peaceful and orderly society. So when you're breaking laws, you are doing what? You're disrupting someone's order, peace and order. So you have basically a whole bunch of people, a whole bunch of guys here that in a sense, their lives are represented by not being able to keep order. And sometimes, you know, that was something that was maybe, uh, uh, they were set in positions perhaps when they were young, uh, where they were, they were not raised right. And I've, I've read results that have been, uh, tests that have been taken surveys, you could say with juvenile delinquents, young people that got into trouble and were in juvenile detention, which is basically like pre-jail. Okay. So it's not uh, the adults go to jail or prison, but if you're under a certain age and you go into these juvenile detentions and, um, but you know, st still, if you go to juvenile detention, you still got the barbed wire, you still can't go out. You still shut down. It's just like a jail for young people. So they have surveyed them and asked them questions. Um, you know, what's, what's one of the main reasons that you believe that you've ended up here and they across the board, almost all of them say is the reason I'm here is that when I was young, uh, you know, younger and so forth, cause they're still young. But when I was younger, my parents never disciplined me. And if they would try, I would throw a big fit and say like, well, you don't love me. And then they would back off. And then there was, there was, um, there was never any form of discipline. See the thing with discipline, the reason you discipline is because you love them. Number one, discipline is never pleasant, but it's short term pain so that you eliminate long term suffering. You see what I'm saying? So the discipline only may last for uh, two or three days, or maybe you're grounded for two weeks, but you do that discipline because you love them so that they don't grow up with no discipline and no order. And now they have developed an attitude. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Mm -mm. Nobody marched to my own beat. Nobody tells me what to do. Well, if you're going to do that and uh, you're, you know, you're, you're totally out of order, then you're going to eventually end up breaking laws and you're going to end up in jail. And so that's why the majority of them are there. And you know what they all, they all knew all the juveniles that are, maybe they're 17 or 16 now looking back when they're eight or nine and their parents never disciplined them or brought the necessary correction. All of the juveniles said, we realize that the fact that our parents did not discipline us or did not correct us or check us on the things we were doing spoke the, uns it was, they never, it's not spoken words, but it said the same thing. It basically said they did not love us. They did not care enough to correct us and they let us run wild and never disciplined us. And so they basically did not love us. Hmm. That's basically what that means. Painful lesson. Now, who does Joseph have 
to work with to implement everything that his father has poured into him. And he has, he has these great skill sets and he has this knowledge and he understands order. So what's the proving ground, the testing ground, orderless people, people that have had no order. Let me tell you this. Everybody likes order, even prisoners. They may initially uh, object to it. No, no, no. We do things our own way here. And Joseph's like, no, no, we do it this way. And if you want to eat, you better get with the program. Mm -mm. He established order and everything began to run smooth, smooth. And even outlaw rebels like it when things run smooth, when the food shows up on time and the bread has a piece of butter next to it. Woo. Praise God. Order, order. Hallelujah. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. You're going to need this in the year that we're going into because things are going to be moving very, very quickly. And you have to be aware of the necessity for Order, praise God. Now, let's go over and look at the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, let me grab a drink of water. And let's go down to verse 34. Well, we can start in verse 33. This is Paul uh, covering different subjects. He's talking about uh, the proper conduct when at the Lord's table. And maybe you can even say that some of the things he's covering would be what we would call spiritual protocol, the way to behave and what you're supposed to do and the order and so forth. Okay. Verse 33, therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one one another. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment. And the rest, in other words, he has other things that he wants to teach as well, and a structure that he wants to implement. And the rest, I will set in order when I come. I will set in order. So what is he doing? He's setting order in the church. Paul said, let all things be done decently and in order. Well, some people would say, now that's bondage. We just need to be free. No, careful. We need, we, we want to do all things, but we want to do them decently and in order. We're not trying to limit anybody's fun, but remember it's all fun until somebody gets hurt. Right? So let's have some order. I was in a meeting one time and, um, uh, I went to, I went to visit a, a friend was hosting a meeting. And so I said, okay, I'll drop by. And, uh, well, uh, everybody there was really big in the flags. And so during the praise and worship, everybody was encouraged, bring your own flag. And so it was, it was like flag city, maybe 200 people waving flags real wild in a really condensed area. And you have full grown adults and you have little bitty kids and everybody is all, you know, uh, the music is real pumped up, you know, like high praise, you would say, and everybody's swinging flags. And there was uh, one big guy. Uh, I mean, Maybe, maybe six foot seven, uh, probably, probably about 280 pounds. He was a big old fella and he had a flag and the flag, you know, was real long and he was swinging that thing like a barbarian. I mean, he was, he was going wild and the flag at the end had a poker. I mean, it looked like a lance, like a big long poker at the end and he's swinging that thing. There's little kids and there's, you know, uh, ladies are spinning around and flags going everywhere. I mean, you, uh, we're talking somebody can lose an eye just like that. Now, now if that happens, suddenly, suddenly, uh-oh, so, uh-oh, now we have a problem. Okay, so I'm just saying it's good to have some order. Let's get the kids over here, <laughs> okay? Let's get the, the adults over here. 
Uh, let's take uh, anybody has a flag that's got something sharp and pokey on the end. Uh, hint, hint, you over there. Let's take that off so we don't gouge somebody in the eye or ram somebody in the stomach uh, or something silly happen. Mm -hmm. I was at a martial arts competition, you know, years back when I used to do martial arts and, you know, go, go, travel around, go to all these tournaments and stuff like that. And, um, you know, whenever you got into like forms or, you know, uh, kata or uh, things along that line, uh, I'm not talking about like the, the sparring or the fighting, but when you got into forms and, uh, and weapon de demonstrations in the weapons, when it came to swords, you would never use a real sword. Uh, now, if it's like another type of a weapon, like a sai or nunchuck or something like that, uh, they'd be more flexible and let you go with the real stuff. But my goodness, with a sword, well, you've got a whole panel of judges up there, and then you've got uh, spectators. And so I was at a, a tournament one time, and uh, I was sitting down watching uh, the weapons demonstrations. And one guy gets up there. He was maybe like 25 years old. And, uh, uh, well, he was intense. I mean, he was like wired, like, like he looked like he had drank eight Red Bulls or something like that. And he was standing there at the sword and, you know, the, uh, the master instructor uh, sitting on the panel that's judging. He said, but you may begin. And this guy begins and he's going wild with that sword, swinging it with well, hyped up energy and stuff like that. And one of the judges stood up and said, stop. And he walked out to the center of the mat where the guy was at and said, let me see your sword. And he holds it, looks at it, it's a real sword. <laughs> I mean, this is a real thing. This is a thing you could cut. You could cut through bone with like, uh, with just minimal effort. This thing was razor sharp. And the judge said, oh, oh no, no, you're not, you're not allowed to use real weaponry with swords. And uh, you, you, you got to go get a, got to get a dummy sword or something like you can kill somebody out here. <laughs> Cause I've seen them fly out of people's hands before when they're, you know, you know, that, I mean, I've seen professional baseball players, not intentionally when they're swinging so hard with all that power. And it's sometimes whoop, there goes the bat. <laughs> now imagine a sword flying towards people. Whoo, Lord have mercy. So that, you know, the guy was the guy that was uh, the young guy that actually had the sword. He, he started crying because he all he wanted to do was please, you know, the instructors and stuff like that. Well, they got him a dummy sword and he was able to pick back up his gig and carry on his show. Whoo, all it takes is a little mistake. And usually in weaponry, there's there's always mistake. It's very uh, rare when somebody goes through their whole routine and doesn't do something uh, where they drop it or, you know, can't control it. But you're spinning real swords like that. Whoo, praise, praise the Lord. Well, what do we need? We need order. We, we need to have some order because you'll always have a few that if you don't have boundaries or have order, oh, they'll take it right up to the edge every single time. And you'll think, oh, no, no, nobody would do that. Oh, yes, they will. It's human nature or something. There's always one. There'll always be one that when Paul's preaching all night long, there will always be one that will go over there and sit in the open window. Oh, oh no, Pastor Stephen, we're three, we're, we're three stories off the ground. Nobody would be dumb enough to do that because if you fell backwards, you could kill yourself. Oh, no, no. There's always at least one. <laughs> so what should we do? Well, well, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't really know, but uh, I understand Paul's preaching all night long. He's not stopping. People are getting drowsy. Uh, we, we need to have, have the window open so we can get fresh air in here, but we need to have a rule. Somebody put a sign or a piece of duct tape over that. Now, I know duct tape had not been invented yet, but put a piece of duct tape over it and write on it, do not sit here. 
You ever see that on screens that are on the windows? The screen has a label on it. It says, this screen will not support your weight. Do not lean on the screen. <laughs> Why would they put that on there? Because somebody leaned on it and fell out of the window. They thought the screen would hold them back, and obviously it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. So we have to have order. It is good. So Paul said, the rest I will set in order when I come. So that, that's an apostolic uh, trait. You, an, apostol an apostle knows what to do. Knows what to do. Okay, we have to have it this way. You need this. We have to do this. Let's switch this over here. Do that. Good. Let's get it all in order. I've done all I could. When I come back next time, we'll do some more. Why? Set it in order. Set it in order. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Build it right, and it will take off, and it will go well. Now, let me say this about order. Order really is the only way to stay ahead of the curve when things begin to accelerate. Praise God. Um, I was listening to a really good pastor uh, talk one time. Uh, has a very large church and very successful ministry. And this is what he, he said. He said on Sunday when he preaches his sermon and everybody's blessed and it's what you would call a very good Sunday. Everything has gone great and the Holy Spirit has moved and the word was received and people responded and uh, it was just a great service. He said, he said the very first thing he does on Monday is he begins to get the next message. Why? Well, you wouldn't believe from a minister's perspective how fast that goes when you're, when you're having to put out multiple messages every single week, every single week. Oh, oh, I've got three days before I need to work on that. You, you wouldn't believe how fast when, when you've got to do it over every week, over, over, over. I mean, it just seems like you turn around. Oh, I've got, I've got, to, go, I've got to get another one. Well, he said on Monday, that's when I start. Not the night before, not the day before, Monday. And so he was sharing that he puts the word preeminent in his life, not just in, in the area of obedience of obeying the Scripture, but for him as a preacher. Yeah, that's, that's the first thing. Monday, get on it already. Start tracking. What does the Lord want me to share in the next message? And um, there are some, quite a few ministers that, uh, that just try to wing it. You have to understand that certain the surveys that are given to ministers and those surveys come back to reputable agencies show that the average prayer life of the American preacher, the American pastor, or, you know, whatever, whatever that minister is in full-time five-fold ministry, the average prayer life of the American minister is only eight minutes a day. And if you're sitting under a pastor like that, what does that mean for you? When you're getting fed something like that, so only eight minutes of prayer time, you're like, well, what in the world are they doing? They're doing all kinds of stuff except what the early church apostles did, where they said, Peter stood up and said, we cannot be over here serving tables, you know, uh, shucking corn and snapping peas and serving beans on people's plate. We must give ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And when you do that, oh, you, you'll blow past eight minutes by, by the time, the, you know, well before the sun's even up. But in today's uh, westernized church, you have pastors and ministers uh, that remember that, that that is an accurate survey. The average prayer life of the average minister in America is only eight minutes a day. 
And, you know, and then, without prayer, now you're going to have a, uh, some kind of a sermon that uh, who knows where they got it from. Um, but the, you, you stand up and, and you deliver something that has no life in it. Woo, Lord have mercy. Amen. What's going on? They're running behind the curve, <laughs> way behind the curve. And you always want to stay ahead of the curve. No matter what your career field is, never wait to the last minute to try to cook it up or pull it together or prepare it or something like that. Stay ahead of the curve. This is something that we all have to really uh, give focus and give attention to. Praise the Lord. You know, I was on a, uh, a television network. I was there at the studio doing a live uh, studio uh, interview a couple of months ago. And uh, there were some guest ministers there. And they watched the uh, network uh, regularly. The, uh, you know, it airs locally and around the states and so forth. And they said, um, well, they said, oh, Brother Stephen, we really enjoy your program, Pure Gold. And uh, uh, the husband and wife are just, you know, thanking me for my ministry. And, the, and I, I said, well, I'm glad, I'm glad it's a blessing to you. And yet you enjoy the message. And the wife said, um, Pastor Stephen, she said, I, I don't see how you do it, though. You're on TV every single week, uh, every week of the year. And you're, you're doing these other things. And you're, you're writing books. And you have an internet ministry and you, then you go out and preach and then you, you do this, you do this and you're, you're doing that. She said, she, she said, especially with TV, because you know, the week just goes by, you got to have another message. And she's like, how in the world do you just keep doing these things? And I said, well, you know, a lot of it is the grace of God. It is God's grace that gives me the strength, the ability, uh, and you know, the anointing to do these types of things. My friends, let's not kid ourselves. Um, you, you, can't, you can't run something that's real busy without order. Everything is ordered. Everything is structured. This program goes to that network. That network wants the program in this format. It must meet these specs. And what I send to that network cannot go to that network because this network requires different specs because this one's going to that satellite and that one's going to that satellite and this one's going over here and you're dealing with uh, traffic controllers of different networks and all of this it just be and, and, and the more networks you get on and the, it just starts like if you don't have order and you don't stay ahead of that curve it'll eat your lunch <laughs> <laughs> it will overwhelm you. And that's why some ministers get under pressure and then they get, um, they get high anxiety and they get stress, but the stress is not because of the responsibility. The stress is not because of the yoke. Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. The stress is being, uh, Cooked up like a pressure cooker. Why? They are, they're running behind the curve. Let me say this from a, from a, a sports um, perspective. Whenever you see, let's take the NFL, for example. Whenever you see a team win the Super Bowl, you have to realize to do that, that team is functioning at the very, very highest level that can be reached. And it is amazing to see pro athletes, particularly in a championship series, you're seeing the very best of the best. 
but it, it takes so much focus to get there and to win it all that it's, it, uh, it's very hard to keep that going. Why? It takes a crazy level of self-discipline. And you'll notice this. Anytime a team wins the Super Bowl or they win the World Series or they win the NBA championships or whatever, if you see those team members, the next thing you know, now they're famous. Now they're doing commercials all over the place. And everybody wants that person. Oh, get him to do our commercials. Everybody loves him. He's a, he's a famous athlete. The moment they start doing that, they almost never repeat the championship. Why? You're, you're losing your focus. You're getting pulled in all kinds of different directions. And usually when that happens, you can still be good, but usually not good enough to win it again. Wow. So uh, that's why it is so challenging to stay at the top because to stay at the top, you have to stay ahead of the curve and to stay ahead of the curve. You have to be well ordered and to be well ordered. You have to have a disciplined life. But if you have that, you can go into a prison and you can put it in order and suddenly everything's going smooth. So smooth that the head guy over the whole jail just put Joseph in charge of everything. Didn't worry about nothing. Jo Joseph ran the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's why colleges and pro level sports will have committees athletic departments or multi-billionaires and pro sports that will pay almost any amount of money to get the right coach why if if you get the right coach they go in there with the right set of order, they can turn a mediocre team into a championship caliber team. Even if they can't win the championship, they can turn them into a team that's so good they'll frustrate, maybe even defeat many of the best teams. Maybe didn't make it to the final, but you, everybody knows they're a serious threat. They're, they're not the way they used to be. They've got their, they've got their house in order. Mm -mm. Glory to God. Glory to God. And if you keep pushing that order long enough, uh, you'll, you'll hit that spark and you'll take off. And when you take off, that's when you got to be really uh, dialed in because now you're moving. <laughs> now you're moving. <laughs> oh, Pastor Stephen, just go take a vacation. Go take some time off. I can't just go take a vacation. Nothing runs on its own. You have to oversee things. Now, I can plan and orderly set up a vacation, but I just can't, I just can't walk off. <laughs> you know, that's the thing when you have your own business or you're running a ministry or something like that, that if you're just an employee, you might not be able to understand that because now you have more responsibility, but also you have a lot more uh, potentials for uh, different avenues of blessing and reward and so forth. So, uh, you know, for those that have stepped into it, you find out, oh, yes, th this is a good thing. Praise God. So you may not be able to just, oh, you know, uh, just go sit down and go take a two-hour break because you might not be able to do that. Remember, there's, there's a primary difference between rich people and poor people, and it's pretty much runs across the board. And here's the, uh, one of the key biggest differences. People that are poor do not value their time. Oh, Pastor Stephen, let's go sit down over here and shoot the breeze. Tell me what you've been doing for the last 10 years. 
I l uh, look, I don't have time to explain what I've been doing for the last 10 years. <laughs> I don't, uh, that's going to take it all day to talk about that. And I, I, I've, got, I've got all this stuff to do. Oh, now, Pastor Stephen, you need a break. Come over here and sit down for a few hours and just, just talk and relax. Well, that, that, that's nice. Uh, there are some times to chill out. But I, don't, I, I just don't. Uh, I, I can't be gone for a whole day. Um, I, I, I can't do that. Praise the Lord. And rich people value their time and they'll, they'll, they'll check their watch. Why? Because they're running on that. You, you have to have order. Why? Cause you have something to do. You have something to do and you, you got to get it. You got to get to it. Praise the Lord. So you have to, you have to understand that it's very important that you value your time and other people's time. If you ever show up late to something important where you're expected to be at showing up late tells them not verbally, but tells them that you do not respect their time. You may respect yours, but you have no respect for theirs. So that's why it's very bad taste to show up. You know, the ministry is expanding and there's one department that I'm looking to uh, uh, develop and so forth. And uh, somebody referred me to a person locally that might be able to do the work. And so I called and said, hey, are you, are you skilled in this area? And the person said, yes, I am. I said, okay, let's talk about this more. I can't really get into it right now. Let's talk tomorrow. When will you be free tomorrow? The person said, nine o'clock. I said, nine o'clock in the morning. They said, yes. I said, okay, this is what we'll do. You call me at nine o'clock and then we can talk about this potential job position. And uh, he said, he said, okay, I'll call you at nine o'clock. Okay. We'll get off the phone and then I send him a text. Okay. Look forward to talking you to you at nine o'clock in the morning. He texts back with a thumbs up. Okay. Next morning. Are you ready for this? Next morning. Um, I'm, I'm already there by the phone at 8.50, and I'm doing things on my, my laptop. The phone's sitting there, 8.50, 8.55, 9 o'clock. I look at my, my phone, 9 o'clock. And now remember, I'm going to be talking with him about a job that has a good pay. It pays in a sense that uh, w with a job that there's not a lot of jobs in the county that would pay like this. And so, you know, this is just something that if somebody, uh, you know, kind of is aware of that, they should move on it. So nine o'clock, no call. Nine oh five, no call. I look at my phone again to make sure I understood this right. Okay, you're going to call me at nine o'clock. Yes, I'll call you at nine o'clock. Uh, thumbs up. Nine fifteen, no call. Nine twenty. No call. 9.23, the phone rings. Uh, hello, I'm, yeah, this is so-and-so. I'm calling you back about that job. And, uh, yeah, what, what would you, what, let's talk about that. Now, he doesn't know, but I, I, I know that I'm going to go ahead and kind of carry out a slight phone interview over the phone, uh, whatever. But he doesn't know. It's already over before the interview's even started. Why? Because you've disrespected my time. If this doesn't mean uh, that much to you, where you, you, don't, you can't even call on time, no, 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 you, you don't have a shot. I'm not going to tell him that, <laughs> but no, he doesn't, he has, he's, doesn't have a, he's got like a snowball's chance on a hot Carolina day in the summer of surviving. No, he's not even in the qualifications. I, it doesn't matter if he can do the job so good that it makes angels sing. No, 
<laughs> no, it's, it's not going to happen. Praise the Lord. My friends, you have to have the high levels of order. Daniel had the excellent spirit. He had an excellent spirit, and he's serving the king. Can you imagine Daniel coming in late? You know, for a thousand years, I couldn't picture, I could never picture in my mind forever, Daniel ever showing up late for anything. Mm -mm. He was on time early. Mm. Praise the Lord. Glory, glory, glory to God. The Lord's tightening things up so that we can go up to the next plateau so that we can go up there and have peace and calm and serenity because we're running ahead of the curve. Praise God. Always expect the unexpected. Don't plan to get there on time because what will happen if it's something very important is something will pop up a traffic delay or, or, you know, something you didn't anticipate. And now you're running behind. What do you have now? Pressure, stress, it's no fun. We want to stay away from those types of things. Glory to the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit's ministering to hearts right now. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. When you have order in your own life, you can step into any other environment. And if it's an area that you have been given authority over, like Joseph was given authority over the prison, you start putting things in order. You start putting things in order. How do you know what to do? Because you've already, already ordered your own life. Hallelujah. Lift your hands. Heavenly Father, I pray for those that are watching right now that they position themselves like ducks. They have all of their ducks in order. Woo! Father, we thank you that that's a proverbial saying, but it's very much true. Because if things are out of order, it's going to begin to go crazy. So, Father, your people have to have things lined up properly because it's going to go faster than it's ever gone before. Father, help them to get all of their ducks, all of their little projects in order. Everything in order. Everything in its proper place. Let them begin on this today. Today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. I had a very powerful prophecy given over my life years back from a trusted uh, woman of God, true prophetess of the Lord, traveled all over the world prophesying and preaching the gospel. And uh, I stood in front of her one time and she said, she said, Stephen, the Lord shows me that in your life you're supposed to write 40 books and when she said that, I, you know, I, I wanted to faint. Forty, forty books. How can I even write one? Oh God, how can I even write one? But I knew the Lord was speaking through her, and although it seemed something astronomical, I somehow still, I could somehow still receive it. I said, "Well, praise the Lord." Well, eventually I got one done, and then eventually I got. Another one done. But you know, I was just thinking about this a few days ago, about how many I've written. And I said, Lord, I really believe I can do 40. So I've got, I've got this, you know, I've got about 30 to go. So Lord, um, how am I going to do this? And the Lord said, you've got to do two a year. 
I said, okay. I said, Lord, with your grace, I can do it. Woo. And I already know the, what I'm supposed to be working on. And I, it's already in my spirit. I've already got all the contents written out. I just got to, I've already got some of it typed. Just got to push that. Praise God. Stay on it. Stay on it. Just keep it orderly. I'll get it done. Hallelujah. So if I keep that order, I'll get it done. Mm-mm. I mean, I don't want to be 103, you know, with a beard down the here. And I, I'm still trying to write one more paragraph because I'm on book 38. <laughs> no. <laughs> I want, just like you, I want to fulfill my destiny. Praise God. Now, if Jesus comes back and interrupts all of this because the end has come and we are raised up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, hallelujah, it is what it is. Praise God. We'll be happy to call it a wrap. But till then, we're going to keep doing all that we can do so that our house, just like Solomon's, is built and completed. Mm-mm. You know, Solomon, when he built that temple, it had such thought-out plans and building construction processes that not one hammer and chisel and chisel were ever heard in Jerusalem. It was all done off-site. And when they brought it together, it's just sided in the place. Mm-mm. No hammers, no chisels. Ugh. I don't like construction noise. It's, you know, it's crazy. You know, I don't like all of that stuff. But we like peace, praise God. Now, sometimes, of course, you have to have that. That's all right. Grace for that, too. But let's do all that we can so that we get it done. Now, Father, we give you praise. We thank you for the spirit of order, the Holy Spirit manifesting through divine order upon our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. If you're watching today and you don't know Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, He's ready right now for you to make the ultimate choice to put your life in order, which is getting your life right with God. If you would like to receive eternal life through Christ, He gives you the opportunity right now. Pray this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, put my life in order. Forgive me of my sins. Give me your new life. Wash all of my sins away. Write my name in your book of life. And Jesus, I submit my life to you completely now. Thank you for saving me. In your name, I pray. Amen. Woo! Hallelujah. Glory to God. God's going to help you get everything done on track and on time. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Mm-mm. This message is getting through to some, uh, some that are in prison. And I see at least two prisoners. And you know, you know, according to the, to the book, you're going to be there for a while. You've got some years, maybe 10 or 12 years that you're still, uh, you know, supposed to serve. But right now I see the Lord releasing a writing anointing and a writing assignment to uh, some prisoners. I see two for sure that are supposed to write. So for those that are receiving that witness and you're watching this, you're you're literally watching this message in prison. Receive that anointing and begin to write. If all you have is pen and paper, begin to write it out. And the Lord will help you to get it into book form. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory to God. So, Father, we thank you for your mercy and your love. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Now, the Holy Spirit's giving key insight. We all have different career callings and fields of, of, of work and so forth. The Lord has given you key insight 
of the areas that you're going to have to focus on in order to be up to speed and to be not just up to speed, but ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Father God. Hallelujah. You know, I always try to have something in the cooker. Amen. I always try to have an extra message just in case. Pastor Stephen, come over here and share what God has on your heart. <laughs> I always try to have something that I can uh, maybe call it pull off the back burner, but it's always something cooking. Praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord. My friends, let's take Holy Communion together. If you are a believer in Yeshua and Jesus Christ of Nazareth, let's take Holy Communion together. I use these little portable communion cups. I love them. They're so convenient. Let's pray over them. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the juice and the bread. We bless and sanctify it through this prayer. We thank you this is holy. This is now the body and the blood of Jesus. So, Father, as we receive the flesh of Jesus Christ, we just thank you, O God, that wisdom and order are being infused into our lives, and we know what to do. We thank you, Father, this is an apostolic grace, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive the body of the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you for complete forgiveness of sins. And Father, uh, we just bless anybody who has sinned against us. We bless them and forgive them. We release them. And we continue on in you in joy and in peace. And we thank you, Father God, for the blood of Jesus covering all of our sins. We thank you, O God, for cleansing and righteousness through the blood. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, Father. Amen. Let's receive the precious blood of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Amen. Put your house in order. Put your garage in order. Put your car in order. Put your spiritual life in order. Put your finances in order. Put your body in order. Put your health in order. You can see that we have a lot to do. Amen. My friends, thanks for watching. I'll see you back next time. Bye-bye.